know, your hypothalamus is, is, as I said, the cornerstone of your your metabolism, your kind of physical structure, so your muscle mass, your bone mass, your your, your fat storage. Uh, and your, your hypothalamus really takes signals from all parts of your body. As I was mentioning some of them earlier, and, and it, it, it looks at what, what it thinks is homeostasis. So it, it wants to maintain a certain level of balance if, with fat storage versus you know how much energy you're using or how much energy you need. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. This is your host, Jeffrey Wu, and I'm really excited to talk with Dr. Jason McEwen, who's the CEO of Modius. I, I believe there's a corporate name, but Modius is a headset that simulates the vestibular nerve and has interesting outcomes, including weight loss. So before diving into all of that, Jason is a doctor and, and a neuroscientist, and is doing good research. I was just looking at some of your publications and the clinical trials that you're planning. Great to see that you guys aren't just making kind of crazy claims like, hey, we're gonna just zap parts of your brain, you're gonna melt fat off, but looking at it rigorously. So appreciate the science-driven approach. Welcome to the program. Yeah, th thanks so much for having me. So tell me about the ba your, your background. So I know you're a medically trained doctor, but also have interest in neuroscience. How did you, how do these two worlds come together? To, to create yeah. the Modius device. Well, my yeah, my background I say is in in medicine. So I actually trained in medicine in Belfast, in the, in the north part of Ireland, uh, and then I worked across the UK for some time, actually, just in, in various roles. But I was always really, really interested in kind of the neurology, the neuroscience side of it. And as I said, I was working in neurosurgery at the time. Uh, whenever we came up with this idea, uh, you know, looking at, I suppose, really looking at old neurotechnology so you might have heard of things like deep brain implants or or even implants that go into the chest and they stimulate the vagus nerve which goes up to to the brain stem but that technology has been around for you know like 30 plus years it works really really well but it hasn't actually really been improved so so the old implant that went in still the implants that go in now and you know the, the issues are they're really invasive you need surgery so some of the implants the deep brain ones can actually do you know quite a bit of damage on the way in so so we were actually looking at all that technology and and I suppose just seeing if we could make it better improving what it, was the end point for like the vagal nerve was it uh, in, like reducing seizures or what, what, what were the, the goals for you know vagal nerve implants or deep brain implants yeah so so the the, the most common one with deep brain would be for um parkinson's disease right uh, you know and if you look up sort of uh, deep brain implants and parkinson's disease like it's, it's it's actually phenomenal just the changes that that can happen like in seconds if you turn the device off you know it, it looks like an entirely different person you turn it back on again and it just cures the symptoms right so the shaking you like you stop the shaking yeah yeah, it's 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 literally amazing. Um, the 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 interesting thing of the vagus nerve stimulators, which actually a really really wide range, and, and initially you probably think some of these things aren't related. So, for example, um, a vagus nerve stimulator for epilepsy, which which reduces you know really difficult to treat seizures, but almost the same technology on the vagus nerve, but a slightly different waveform or frequency. Uh, so that's been around for a few years in the U.S. Uh, but similarly, there are, there are devices for like anxiety, depression. There's there are devices for for migraine, and actually, most recently, there's a device for arthritis or or kind of like chronic inflammatory mm. disease. Now, it's it's exactly the same nerve, but it's it's just the stimulation parameters change. 
so so the trick is in a way finding finding the way into stimulating those deeper parts of your brain, which then actually influence the entire body, all these downstream effects. Uh, so so yeah, the vagus nerve technology has been well established. It's, it's, it's phenomenal what it can do, but effectively it is just stimulating one nerve. So th- so you're trained in is so when you're studying medicine, practicing medicine, that was an area of, of fascination. And then what triggered the entrepreneurial light bulb to realize that you know you could combine the worlds of entrepreneurship and medicine to create a, a headset. Yeah, well, I think actually my the, that entrepreneurial streak uh, was present before I'd even started medicine. So I, I used to build, um, you know, computers and sell sell like kind of custom built PCs uh, for people. Now that that was, a, I know that's that seems like pretty standard stuff now, but actually at that time when I was very young, I mean, it was maybe like fourteen at the time. Uh, you know that that wasn't commonplace uh so so i definitely remember back i have a really you no know, fond sort of recollection of, of working with technology working with electronics so i think whenever this came together and as i say i was working in neurosurgery at that time and we realized that there, there are these electronic devices in a, such a cool area of medicine uh that potentially you know we could we could start looking at these and look at ways to make them better Right, uh, and, and I suppose then what, what actually happened, we, we our our interest then was was in this other nerve, the vestibular nerve. So the vagus nerve is you know deep down into the body, mm-hmm. um, lots of applications. But we were actually looking at another it's a cranial nerve. So a cranial nerve connects directly to your brainstem. There there are only ten that connect. There there are twelve nerves, but there are only ten that connect to the brainstem. Uh, and the one we were interested in is the vestibular nerve, and it actually goes towards the back of the head instead of going sort of down into the skull. So so it's associated very, with your inner ear, right? Vest- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, that's the end point of that nerve is the inner ear, the, the vestibular system. Uh, but just at behind the ear, and that kind of you can almost feel the kind of hard bony part. Uh, it's so close to the surface there that you can actually turn that nerve on and off hmm. uh, with just a little electrode pad and a very small, safe level of stimulation. Right. Which is interesting. So mechanistically, why does zapping this nerve? Do anything. I, I mean, just from a high level. Uh, well, I, I suppose that ner- nerves, in, in the general sense, like any, any nerve, you know, it is really just, you know, their action potentials. This was the medical term, but that's yeah. really just a little electronic pulse that goes along, and the neurons, in a way, almost act like a wire. Uh, in the same way, if you plug an Ethernet cable in or an internet cable into your laptop, you know, you can send signals right along, and as long as you know what you're sending, you can you can you know access remote computers and you know that you don't even see or you can't touch, uh, and your brain to some degree is is no different. So as long as we know what we are doing and and you send in the correct signal to the right place you can actually you know uh, influence very deep and very important parts of the brain so essentially a nerve is like an electrical wire that sends signal back and forth between the brain stem in in the case of uh, the vestibular nerve and with the inner ear components and what you're proposing and executing on is that you can hijack or manipulate that nerve with an external device in a way that it's advantageous for certain outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is absolutely the case, and and it's and it's you know it's very 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 similar to the vagus nerve stimulators. You know, it's, it is one nerve. It's not necessarily connected to, or you know, you're not necessarily directly influencing the part of the brain that you're stimulating. But as long as you're sending the correct signal along, then you can do really really amazing things. And the vestibular nerve is actually very very similar to the vagus nerve. Right. Uh, so in in theory, yeah, it's it's no different. You you can do the same thing. The big advantage is, however, you don't need to go in below the skin or implant the device. Yeah. 
Which is interesting. So I've seen people talk about vague, external vagal nerve stimulators. This is actually the first time I've heard about a vestibular nerve stimulator. But I think the whole yep. space around electricity and brain stimulation has tremendous interest. So, you know, one of my friends runs a company called Halo Neuroscience, which uses transcranial yep. direct stimulation across the motor cortex to ostensibly improve athletic performance and, and, and muscle memory. I'm just curious your thoughts on the general space you know is there a reason why a lot of the interest is happening now i mean i have my own speculation around the, just a broader interest around biohacking engineering human performance but yep. do you you know from from your perspective on the hardware side from the stimulation side i mean what do you sense are the macro trends driving this interest from academia industry uh into consumer products well, I, I think a big thing is actually just the change in, you know, what, what people being conscious about their health. Uh, so, you know, even 10 years ago, people weren't just so active and always thinking about, you know, improving themselves, making themselves better. Uh, and things like Apple Watch and Fitbit have come in and actually have really taken wearable technology to just mainstream. So, you know, people don't think twice now about a, a device which, you know, actively measures parts of their body yeah. and their nervous system. And it, it it's just become, as I say, really, really mainstream. Yeah, I'm um, wearing next, a smart ring right now that tracks my HRV, for example. Yeah, they, no, absolutely. And, and that's not like unusual, whereas, right. you know, years ago it would have been like, what? That's kind of strange. Um, whereas I think just the natural progression of that is, you know, we're moving from the passive wearable devices which track into this space where you have active active wearables. We, we actually sort of call our, our own term careable, you know, so it's it's beyond the wearable. It's actually actively doing something to, to the body. Now, I think the, the kind of natural progression there is it, it's going to be into the neural component of the body. So, you know, it's no surprise that people are interested in using electricity across the cortex or the motor cortex or or the peripheral nerves to actually influence, you know, really key things in, in that neural space. And I, I think that is using electricity to do that is, is the, the, I suppose, the, as I say natural. It, it maybe doesn't sound that natural to some people, but, but in a way, whenever you look at how the neurons fire and the brain works, that is the natural way to do it yeah so i think for operating in a generally related space of I, I think both of our efforts are to improve human performance people always ask me and i'm sure people ask you is it safe and does it work so let's address those sequentially so i think you're touching upon it you know the brain is you know essentially running on electricity you know back and forth with action potentials as you mentioned you know why is it yeah. safe i mean have you done the safety studies what is the safety track record how is it regulated yeah. So I'll, I'll take a little step back and just give a, a little bit more about the background. So, uh, yeah, we whenever we then came up with this idea, I suppose we started looking at all the applications. And we actually started looking back at some really, really early data. And I mean, there's actually data from about 50 years ago. It was all related to, believe it or not, NASA and the space race. So mm. uh, whenever you go into space, you, you actually lose an entire sensory input. You know, your, your vestibular sense turns off uh, because there's no reference to gravity. Um, so so that so we started I suppose building. So, yeah, I guess so the that. inner ear is it governs balance, your positioning. So yeah, if you're in space or weightless, you have no sense of your balance anymore. I guess is yeah, yeah. and, and I'll, I'll I'll actually come into this probably later yeah. in a little more detail. But actually, it's it's not just a sense of balance, and I think this is where we've assumed that it that it that it's less than it was for for a long time. Mm. Uh, it, it is actually a marker of physical activity. Uh, you know, so whenever you move, whenever you exhale. Accelerate 
uh, you, you're constantly stimulating your vestibular sense. Um, so, so it gives your brain, particularly your hypothalamus, it gives it a reference of how physically active you as a person are. Um, and the reason it does that is because you know, I'm sure you're aware of the term homeostasis. It's kind of the balance of, you know, things in the body. So we're interested in the metabolic balance. So like energy consumption versus energy storage. So uh, homeostasis is actually altered by the hypothalamus. And, and it takes many readings. It takes the reading of, you know, your, your vagus uh, sensory input from the body things like leptin and ghrelin and insulin and and you know your parasympathetic and your, and your sympathetic all of that uh, and it makes i suppose a, a it balances that homeostasis but actually one thing which i think we didn't realize for a long time was actually your vestibular input also balances that homeostasis so if you're a very say athletic physically active body um, like for example a cheetah you know running across the the, the plains always sort of hunting moving it's always fast acting uh, it, it's a massive evolution advantage for that animal to have a, a high bone density and, and lean muscle mass um, whereas compare that to say a bear that's hibernating in a cave it is actually no physical activity at all there's no vestibular input to the hypothalamus and actually in, in, in that modality that fat storage is the optimum metabolic balance uh, which which, so, which so the, gets me thinking i mean can you hack it by if we take the thesis that the vestibular system is a, a signal for physical activity can you just like shake your head a lot and just try to like not actually exercise but just like trigger movement uh, to 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 just hijack that signal but uh, well so uh, I'll, I'll ask a question why 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 do you rock a baby uh, yeah, it's for some reason it soothes the baby. Yeah, so yeah. so we know that rocking a baby actually helps it to sleep and it, and it settles it. Uh, we know that in in uh, elderly nursing homes that if you put in rocking chairs, it decreases anxiety, it decreases mm. agitation and falls. Uh, and this is the reason why that that is actually an effective way of hacking your own vestibular system. Okay. It, it's also why some some you know, particularly children who maybe have say uh, sort of uh, like. Um, ADHD or some learning difficulties, they tend to sort of rock back and forward. And again, that is that is them actually forcing their vestibular system to actually fire into the brainstem. Uh, so, so the answer is yes, you can hack so, it. Yeah, we, so basically, we all, we've been already doing it. Okay, we, we already do it. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we we realized all of this, uh, all of this sort of data. We actually realized that NASA had done these trials on mice, and and, and they had increased vestibular stimulation. Is that uh, is actually, that pub is that published? Is that is that searchable online? Oh yeah, 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 okay. uh, absolutely. There's loads of this around, uh, and all, all, so just all, sort of you know, what you know. What are the keywords like NASA vestibular simulation? Yeah, to, to, I, I, to be honest, I actually have. I'm, I'm generating my own sort of academic site now with, with breakdowns of all these papers for for the layperson. Uh, so if you want to check out my own personal, as I say, academic site, you can you'll be able to read all of these. Okay. So we so we, we presented this supposed to, to the lab out in the University of California. Um, and long story short, they actually invited me out to take to take a visiting scholar position there, and that's literally the role I have. It's just to do vestibular nerve stimulation uh, and try and find you know what parts of the brain it, it improves and you know, can we get sort of applications for this. Uh, and and they're actually really really wide. I mean, from from yes, we're really interested in weight loss and changing metabolism, uh, but it goes right across to you know the mental health space. As I say, that's why you know people can rock back and forward it actually creates a very positive uh, effect on the sort of entire cortex uh, and, and previously actually they used to spin um, people around in a, in a chair for for things like depression and mania um, <laughs> because actually it, 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 it settled it like 
in a quite significant uh, sense. Uh, but actually, then this spinning idea kind of went out of fashion, and never you know medications and antidepressants uh, came around. So, so I, I think so. To answer the original question, is it safe? So it sounds like oh, part of part, part <laughs> No, no, I mean, I mean, but I think it it does set the context well. Is that this is something that has been experimented with, and it's a kind of a natural phenomenon that people kind of in, intuit that you know rocking themselves, soothing themselves, you know, has some sort of soothing effect. So I guess the natural next question is okay. One, people already are with their physical body, you know, stimulating the, the, the vestibular system. Now the next step is, can we, using an external device, stimulating the nerve directly with electricity? Is that yeah. safe? Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. So, so par parallel to this, actually, the the technique of using uh, electricity to stimulate the nerve has has been known for for a long time, but it, it just hasn't really made it past any sort of laboratory experiments. So, we actually have a significant amount of of safety data on specifically stimulating the nerve using electricity, um, and and it's so much uh, data, in fact, that we were able to really make the case that this. This doesn't have to strictly be regulated as a medical device. Uh, so, and we could go straight to the consumer device now. If, if we weren't able to show that that were a safe, a safe device, there's no way would we be allowed to go into that consumer space. Uh, so, it really, you know, created two parallel paths for us. Uh, you know, one is that, that that we want to have the device as an approved, prescribed device in future for um, not only weight loss, but actually we're interested in type two diabetes as well, and it, it's all due to vagus nerve stimulation. Uh, but then the other path is. Is this the consumer weight loss device so if, if someone is wanting to you know to try and improve or, or use a tool to 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 make their weight loss journey easier well then that's why we've created the headset yeah no that's interesting I think that's an interesting area that I think is gonna get more clarity in the future with how regulators treat devices that have potential medical use which is a very defined set of treatment, diagnosis, yeah. prevention of disease, like, you know, type 2 diabetes, for example, and then sort of yeah. health and wellness and an enhancement, which is you're healthy, can we improve yourself? So it sounds like yes, you are yeah. working on both parallel tracks, which is what I, I think, you know, me personally, just getting deeper and deeper into human performance. I mean, it's just two sides of the same coin, ultimately. I mean, ostensibly, if you're healthier and more optimized, you're going to have less, you know, prevent or, you know, push out the onset of disease and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the way the way I would look at it, and, and sometimes I think that people, this this idea of kind of wellness, uh, it's, it's slightly ill-defined and, and some people don't really realize what, what we mean by that. But the example that I would often give is um, there are there are binary things in, in medicine. So, for example, if you fall and you break your leg, uh, you know, your leg was fine before and your leg is now broken. It's a very binary thing. Um, there was no period in the middle where your, your, your leg was slowly beginning to get broken, you know, and then right. at some point it crossed for into being a broken leg right. uh, but actually a lot uh, not a lot of medicine is like that so so obesity is, is an example or, or I would often use mental health as well so so you know if if, if you imagine you so someone here is fine but someone over here is is in the obese state there's actually been a, a transition period where they went right along and, and you know in some of this there was no disease process as right. such but then over here, at some point, this has become really a chronic disease, and it's the same with mental health. You know, there's the space in the middle where your mood is is, is low, or maybe you're more anxious, but you you haven't really reached a chronic state. And then, and at some point, you know, you're beyond it. Traditional medicine actually almost waits until you reach this state, and it's, in my mind, that's too late. We, we should actually be treating in this pre-disease or, or or the wellness space. 
Um, so, so for us to have, say, a product in this kind of chronic disease, you know, cr chronic obesity space, uh, but also have a product w which could potentially prevent people ever getting into that space. I mean, for us, that's just really, really exciting. Yeah. And I really like the way you put it. For our listeners out there, if you actually look at how doctors diagnose type 2 diabetes, you know, that's a personal area of interest, metabolic syndrome. I mean, it's basically you kind of have these arbitrary number cutoffs of fasted blood sugar, blood glucose, or an arbitrary H1BAC number. And just like once you cross, you know, 5.7 H1BAC, or once you cross over 100 milligrams or deciliter or 125 milligrams deciliter fasted blood sugar, now you're officially diabetic. But if you're under, you, know, you don't worry about it just you know live your life happily and it's just like yeah it, like medicine and i think health is not like the easy cases of medicine is you break an arm like there's a discrete event and i think actually humans are quite bad at judging continuous small incremental changes right it's like oh you're sliding and absolutely oh yeah. we have set an arbitrary number right like 100 milligrams of deciliter is like such an arbitrary number like 5.7 why is 5.7% H1BAC different from, why can't it be 5.2 or 5.9? Yeah. And just like, yeah, I mean, I think there's some, you know, epidemiological data around, okay, like that seems to be a cutoff where it gets dangerous. But I, I think if you actually look at the first principles, these are not, you know, God defined numbers, like you're officially, you know, the arm is broken. It, it's, so I, I think that's what I think it's all about, you know, can you prevent or, or, or just maintain an optimal state longer? Absolutely, no. I, to I totally agree with that. And yeah, for us, we see two two. If you're trying to broadly break it down, two two challenges. It's pre preventing people who are well reaching a state of being unwell, or right. or in our case, say say obesity. You know, it's preventing people who are maybe starting to gain some weight, preventing them actually ever getting into an obese state or or a type two diabetic state. Uh, that that is one challenge. And then the other challenge is for those people who are already can you there, reverse? It's trying to, if if not reverse it, it's trying to manage that and make right. that better and make life and wellness better for those people. Right. One point is that, okay, now assuming that vestibular simulation is something that we do as animals, just intuitively, to one, we can simulate this safely. The third question would be, well, how do you know, you know, the waveforms or the signals of electricity um, to, to actually do the right thing? I can imagine that you, you know, send the wrong signal, you do, you know, overly high voltage or amps, you, you might do the wrong thing. Yeah. So how do we understand exactly types of waveforms and, 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 and energy levels to actually send? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. That's something actually we put a lot of work into, um, and and again, it's it's something that you know we we've we've really taken into this role of if we're going to go down a consumer path, uh, we really need to know that we are doing you know this is a safe device that people can use it and they're not going to get you know side effects. Uh, so, so some of the the actual work previously that had been done was on what levels of stimulation uh, actually create the greatest response, and, and there's some really interesting things yet yeah, the, the the changes between say a high frequency and a low frequency are actually quite pronounced uh, and it's actually never you come down into the low frequency range that you start to see spikes in sympathetic muscle activity so even though you're stimulating your vestibular nerve you can actually see the sympathetic muscle activity increase in, in as far as your calf muscles Hmm. Uh, so, so I'd say those those tests were done. Well, weren't done by us. Uh, and so, basically, low frequency gives the highest kind of metabolic change, or, or, or certainly sympathetic change. And then also, it has to be at the 
distinct frequency that is not actually in sync with your own cardiac rhythm because believe it or not even the small little change of your of, of your heartbeat that small little electrical pulse is enough to kind of knock knock that off the peak huh. uh, so, so yeah so, what, what are the hertz when you say low what, what is high uh, so so not 0.5 is actually the device uh, the modus device what, what we use and then actually we're looking at, at other areas which would be considerably higher than that okay. um, I mean some of the Vegas nerve stimulators are up to like I think some of them are like 15,000 hertz or something you know so, so the, this is so like a slow that, pulse this is you know once every yeah. two seconds if, if 0.5 yeah. hertz and you feel it I mean it's so it's it, like it, boom it's, pretty much yeah okay. and, and because we actually the way the, we've, we've designed it to kind of switch polarity and move and kind of move around it's just so you don't accommodate to it um so you actually feel it and whenever whenever you turn the device on you can increase the power level and we we, we set like a max power level for the for the consumer device the, the medical device actually is, is, is a bit higher uh, uh -huh. but the consumer device whenever you re reach the threshold where it's activating the vestibular nuclei in your brain stem um you actually feel like you're moving you know your, your brain can't tell the difference between a natural signal and ah, the signal that we overlay. That's, that's interesting. It's, it's um, mimicking like moving every two seconds is, is what yeah, we're, 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 it, it we're feels, suggesting. It's, it's actually quite, it's nice, you know, it's 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 like a, uh, <laughs> like you know, lying, lying on a lilo on a swimming pool, you know, it feels like you're sort of like floating, like kind of rocking back and forward. Uh, and we find most people wear this last thing at night uh, because it makes them very relaxed. There, there's a thing called the soporific effect. It's actually part of vestibular stimulation, and that actually induces sleep. Uh, so we find that most people wear this just before they go to bed because it because it vastly improves their sleep, which is te technically a side effect of what we're doing, but it's also it's obviously a very positive side effect. And then, what does the pulse waveform look like? Are these just like you know every two seconds we're doing zero point five hertz, just like zero max drop, or is it like you know a sin a sinusoidal waveform? What kind of pulses are you sending through, or is that part of the we're, we're actually looking across a, a various kind of range of pulses, um, but not not dissimilar to what you're describing there. But I don't want just for commercial reasons. I wouldn't want to go into just the specific details. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's part of the secret at, sauce. Is that there uh, is yeah, some that that, that that is important actually. Okay. Um, and, so it's not it's, as it's, so okay. So it's just not as easy as signal on signal off. There is some art. Uh, to yeah, the signal yeah, no, it's, waveform. It's, it's, yeah, okay. there's, there is, we, uh, the waveform itself, we've sort of custom generated. Uh, and I mean, it's, just, it's similar with the, you know, the Vegas nerve stimulators. There's lots of range of waveform, but you you really want to optimize it. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm sure various waveforms would get various effects. But as I say, our, our goal in, with this device certainly is to optimize the, the, you know, the metabolic output or the, the, the sort of autonomic output to actually try and you know, really make it easier for people to lose weight. Okay. F efficacy. So... The main end, uh, uh, end point for this particular device is weight loss, which is yeah. one of the most you know desired you know <laughs> attributes in just just broad consumer health and wellness. So it sounds like uh, if it works, it's something that's really compelling for a, a number of folks. So going from stimulation and then mimicking movement, how does that get to weight loss? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's it's to do with actually the nuclei in the brainstem and then the hypothalamus that are, that are, are actually influenced. So you you know your hypothalamus is is as I said the cornerstone of your your metabolism, your kind of physical structure. So your muscle mass, your bone mass, your 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 fat storage, uh, and your your hypothalamus really takes signals from all parts of your body. As I was mentioning some of them earlier, and and it. it it looks at what what it thinks is homeostasis. So it, it wants to maintain a certain level of balance with, with fat storage versus, 
you know how much energy you're using or how much energy you need um, now the, the, there's a range that your body sits inside and and typically it sort of fluctuates a little maybe like a few pounds and you don't think too much about it so you, you know some weeks you'll you'll be a pound or two heavier some weeks you'll be a pound or two lighter but roughly speaking you, you stay at a, a fairly constant level um, the the problem is if if your body actually gains too much fat so say it's a period where you're you, we've maybe been too sedentary or we have overeating for for a while or things like you know medication or comorbidities like diabetes or thyroid problems so if if that weight actually creeps up unfortunately the the the, the range that sort of happy range that your hypothalamus keeps you in it also will creep up uh, so whenever you then start to try and reduce that body fat again, your hypothalamus thinks that you're outside the natural range. So you're talking uh, about a so set it, point, like your natural weight set point creeps up exactly. as you slowly gain weight or slow down your physical exercise. Yeah, and, okay. and uh, so yeah. so uh, yeah, we call it the set point, but it's more of a range. That, you know, it's not like a sort of really rigid. There, there's quite a gap. So actually, what happens is within that gap, people tend to lose a few pounds, and they go down towards the lower end of the range, and they'll hit a bit of a plateau. Uh, and that plateau is their hypothalamus stopping any further weight loss, uh, and it'll do that by just making your desire to eat be you know insatiable. You know, you'll, you'll never feel full. Uh, your metabolic rate can slow right down. Even your core temperature can go down just to try and preserve fat storage now if if you if you maintain that like if you can stay at that and keep keep you know your calories or your or your food down eventually eventually the the you know you will lose weight and and, and that, that's what happens uh, but most people actually uh, just can't get beyond that plateau they give and eventually, up they give up right i mean yeah, it's like it's, like you you're fighting against a set point but you need to create a new set point it takes your body your body needs to adapt to a new set point yeah, yeah, and 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 that is that is exceptionally difficult. And I say sometimes I, I get quite frustrated because a lot of people would come back to us and say, you know, we're we're just giving people an excuse not to try. Um, but that that is complete nonsense. I mean, people try really really hard. Yeah. And it, it just it is just too much. Uh, and and even if you do eventually sort of get down, if, if if everything internally hasn't kind of readjusted, then you're fighting against that for such a long time that you know you have one bad weekend uh, and and loads of weight piles back on and, and people just get so disheartened that, that they, they, they give up right uh so so what what we are doing is we're trying to influence that part so so that plateau we we know what happens we know what parts of the hypothalamus actually influence that uh, but we also know that the vestibular nerve goes in through the brain stem and actually projects up into various areas of the hypothalamus um and and if you if you're to split it down and there, there are key areas the vestibular system actually connects into those key areas uh, so what we are doing is just repeatedly stimulating the vestibular nuclei in the brainstem, which sends the signal into the hypothalamus, so that whenever people start to decrease the weight, that actually that plateau. Hopefully, it is. It is. You know, if, if, if it were totally gone, it would be fantastic. But realistically, it's just making it easier for people actually to get down further than they have gotten before. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see how you know a mimic of physical movement through the vestibular nerve can be a contributor to that. Right. I mean, I think it would be, you know, I think it'd be an overly stretch to say, you know, you can totally mimic the benefits of physical movement and exercise. Right. Like, yeah. I don't think I don't think yeah. you're claiming that, but it's like we are assisting, you know, your brain and in, 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 in mimicking some of the effects of, you know, uh, 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 resetting your hypothalamus. 
Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely the the, the the crucial part of this. It, it's not to it's not to I suppose um, mimic the actual force of physical activity. So it's right. not like firing your muscles over and over again. It's actually just letting your brain know that this is a physically active body. Yeah. It, it is storing too much fat, you know. So allow fat stores to go down. So whereas if that's not happening, then your your hypothalamus is always trying to keep fat stores higher. Yeah. Uh, but we, we're trying to trying to you know overlay the signal of yes, fat stores can go down. Yeah, I'm just wondering because I mean, you know, the the human physiology is a very complex system. So I'm just curious what would be other downstream effects, you know, if you're sort of not actually doing physical exertion necessarily, but mm -hmm. tricking, you know, or, or, or mimicking some effect of physical exertion in, in, in a certain part of your brain. I'm just wondering what that it, 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 it would be in fairly novel physiological state, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just, I, I'm sure that, you know, I, I presume it's part of the, what the, the continued research is to just understand the full cascading effects of, of something like this could, could, could entail. Yeah, well, our interest is really what happens in the what we would call the entire autonomic nervous system. So, so the, the, the parasympathetic to one side, you know, your kind of rest and digest, and then you get your yeah. sympathetic, your, your fight or flight. And actually, those two are a lot of people think they're a bit like a, a seesaw, and they kind of want as one goes up, one goes down. That, that that is true, but the entire balance itself can, can also shift. Uh, and and that that is ultimately what we are trying to to I suppose modify, but but in a positive way. So so you actually do see downstream effects in in many things which you would expect. So for example, if I said yeah, the, this influences the part of the brain which controls say how how much sort of fat you store in a in a physique way. So you know promotes kind of an, a more muscular athletic physique. Um, so you would expect to see changes in the HPA axis. You would expect to see changes in thyroid, mm -hmm. um, and you'd also uh, potentially see see positive changes in someone say who's type two diabetic. So things like, um, you know, your insulin, insulin sens insu okay, insulin sensitivity, yeah. interesting. Yep, or your sort of baseline glucose levels. Uh, no, sorry, and just a disclaimer there that that is about vestibular stimulation in general. Uh, so just the field of vestibular stimulation in general. Yeah. So I'm not saying our device is is indicated for that. Um, so Modius is just indicated for weight loss, but you know the research, the academic research that I do in this field, uh, we've actually seen all of those downstream changes. Uh, and and the other thing, which is actually really well known, is and and this is a, a bit of a test for us because if what we're saying is true, the entire umbrella of metabolism should change. It it shouldn't just be that you know you lose kind of non-specific weight. If anything, you should actually see um, an increase in muscle mass and in bone density. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually, all the animal work shows that. And if anything, there's probably been more work done on the bone density side of things than than, than the work that actually we've done. So for years, it's been known that the vestibular um, system inputs very specifically, and it's through the sympathetic nervous system to bone regulation mm. uh, so if, if, if you know you you can modify bone metabolism basically by by cutting the vestibular nerve collectively that that whole thing is, is is what's influenced that whole autonomic control all those downstream effects and, and as I say if if that weren't the case then you you might just see non-specific weight loss which, which actually is it, it you know, the, if anything, that's a quick test that you can do to see that we're changing metabolism, right. not just kind of making people kind of not eat as much food and then they lose sort of weight in general. Right. Which, I mean, even even reducing ghrelin through stimulation could be interesting. But if it is what, what you're saying, which is, a, you know, a whole cascading across effect across all of metabolism. I mean, that's something that mm -hmm. is interesting. I mean, 
I want to talk about that, but I want to, before talking about that, so what is the human data for weight mm -hmm. loss? I mean, uh, I, I presume you have case studies. Do you have, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a published RCT uh, on this? So what is the, what is the human data uh, backing the, the weight loss? Yeah, we, we really, I suppose our initial thing was the, you know, sort of what we would call pilot studies, so pretty low numbers. I think it's around 30 or so people actually in the lab, um, mm -hmm. which we used. I mean, we just looked at, we sort of split them up into three. So one group, we did DEXA scans looking at fat mass. Uh, the other group, we did fat oxidation. So, you know, the, the, you put the mask on, right, you, breathe, right, right. You, can, you can measure the CO2. Uh, and then the other group, we looked at just saliva levels of insulin, right. um, and it's uh, and it's and it's lower. I believe that that CO two ratio means more uh, fat, more adapted to fat metabolism. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah, some yeah. ratio. You see, but I, I know what you're I know what you're talking about. I mean, there's yeah. basically by the ratio of CO two output, you can tell yep. whether your body is burning more sugar or more fat. But I, I, okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the other part of that is saliva, insulin, and leptin, and uh, just general sort of so subjective scores. Okay, so you have three cohorts out of so sort of n equals ten for each cohort. Yeah, and you're doing uh, placebo-backed or crossover. Uh, yeah, treatment. so no, they were they were uh, so they they were two of those groups they were their own controls so we would repeat the experiment with a sham device um and then for the weight loss group actually we uh, we we split into you know um uh, just a sham group a small sham group and then an active group okay um, so this, I, so some of the arms were crossover yeah so they're their own they were their own control and then some were you actually had two parallel cohorts one was uh yeah you, they were wearing a device i guess but nothing was going on There's and then no yeah, no, then, no delivery. Yeah. Okay, and then, um, okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, so, so and I mean, these the, the point of I suppose pilot studies. So, I suppose the typical medical device company, you do the theory, you do the pilot studies, then you do the big long sort of FDA trials. Phase one, two, phase three. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the purpose of the pilot studies really just to see is it is it worth proceeding into yeah. uh, the the larger studies. Um, we actually did see changes across all all of those. So positive changes. I mean, even even a modest dose. Um, it was like three times a week. Uh, we were able to see reduction, particularly central fat in in that group, albeit a pretty small group. But you know, central fat is is what primarily was reducing. Also, increase in fat oxidation or, or fat metabolism, mm. uh, and uh, saliva, insulin, and leptin actually were you know we able to see both changes in those at, at a fasting kind of pre-breakfast state. Uh, and then at that time, actually, the device also give you a slight decrease in in appetite. So, so the, these guys were pretty hungry, you know, pre pre breakfast. But uh, as hunger kind of increased, um, hmm. that with set on, uh, the, actually, it sort of plateaued, and then you take the headset off and starts to increase again. Is this peer reviewed um, and published, or is it posted on your website as a white paper? Yeah, we just we we just done a white paper on that. But okay. as I say, that the real purpose of that was to step into sort of full trials, which is where it's quite interesting now. Um, so over the next year, we'll probably have about three hundred or so people through trials, um, and that is a year year long wearing the device, double blind, randomized control. Half, half of the group have have just you know sham headsets. Um, that's a multi center trial, so we have a site in in uh, California. We also have a site in the UK. Uh, and also, th this is quite interesting. We're actually setting up a pediatric trial uh, in in, wow. in middle middle America as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I mean, purpose, two, 300 people over a year is not is not cheap. I mean, that's something that you know we ourselves understand the costs associated with that. Are you self funding? Do you have uh, research grants from uh, you know foundations, NIH? 
Yeah, we 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 do both actually to to some degree. So we do we do have funding in place from from the company, and I'll talk about actually how we got that. Uh, and then also, yeah, we're looking at sort of research grants. You know, the areas of of, of weight loss and type two diabetes is it's a really important area. So yeah. there are some facilities available for that. But the, the the idea there is to have to have this as you know an approved weight loss device. Um, primarily in, in adults in the US uh, that you know you, you can get on your insurance or your doctor would prescribe for you uh, and then and then we'd be looking maybe towards some sort of preventative maybe pediatric type device uh, and then further to that we would be expanding into the area of, of, of type 2 diabetes because not only is there the sort of indirect effect where you lose weight your, your diabetes will improve mm-hmm. um, but, but there's actually a, a direct effect because you know to, in, particularly in the pre-diabetes state because you have that kind of autonomic dysfunction and you know, it's because your vagus nerve is going down into, say, your pancreas. Uh, actually, you can get a direct neurological influence by by stimulating the brainstem uh, to actually influence what the, what the vagus nerve does, and you can potentially potentially increase, like for example, insulin sensitivity or improve insulin output from a pancreas which isn't performing. Right. I mean, which is interesting, right? If you're saying that you're seeing ambient insulin levels reduce off of a pretty short treatment period. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting for that's interesting for metabolic syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it, 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 the field is really really interesting, yeah. and 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 I suppose that is one that is one very well defined sort of medical area. Um, but then w- also what what we realized was, as I said, the FDA have a category called um, sort of the wellness uh, category, yeah. uh, and because we are actually a a non invasive device, uh, we were able to say, you know, this is this is a very low risk device. Right. Here's all these previous uh, papers that I talked about showing this, um, and also rather than saying that we want to treat obesity, uh, we we really just want this to be an aid, you know, like for for people to actually lose right. weight. So people are trying to lose weight, that this this can't can't help them or can be a tool. Um, so so actually that that is that is modious. So all that other stuff I talked about, that's very much a medical, very distinct device yeah. which which we haven't released yet. But modious is the 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 uh, weight loss or weight management <laughs> device that a consumer can buy. Yeah, no, I absolutely understand the importance there. Not talking anything about medical advice, medical treatment. <laughs> yes, this is yeah. all, uh, we're talking about the science and the research active going on there, but in terms of the commercial product, this is uh, consumer, uh, yeah, so, generally regarded as safe type intervention. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's in the wellness category. It can be purchased right of a consumer. And, yeah. um, and, and I'd say just our, our team, whenever we realized this, I mean, one, one thing that, that we were really sort of open and honest about was that, yes, I mean, in the lab and the theory, it's all pretty good. Uh, but, you know, there's still a pilot study at the end of the day. And it's, it's you know, it's a relatively modest size. What actually happens when you open the device up to the consumer market, right. uh, what people, people who have comorbidities, people who are on medication, people who have you know stressful lives and there's just so many influences on on weight uh, what actually happens so so we went onto a platform called indiegogo uh, it's, a, it's a bit like kind of kickstarter yeah, crowdfunding or yeah, yeah yeah pre-sales yeah on that to say look this is we want guys to feed back to us we we'll, we'll give you the device really discounted price but for for um period of 90 days you know feed feedback to us and at the end of 90 days if you don't if you're not happy we will 100% give your money back it is you know there's no questions asked we're not trying to catch people out literally they don't even have to give us a reason uh, if they give us the device back we'll give them their, their money back because we just want to know how this performs so uh, we, we, we actually set our target at $50,000 on Indiegogo uh, and I, I think we had hit $50,000 in like four hours uh, and and within a week we had hit over a million dollars 
so so we actually had to then almost try try to slow it down a little. Um, but but that that still increased, and we actually ended up raising over two million dollars. Wow. Um, and and that's fantastic, and that's where some of the funding for the, for the trials obviously has come from. Um, but a really important thing from that is that we we have data from that group now. So so that group are actually starting to come through, and and we were able to deliver pretty quickly. And, and you know we're now getting the group who have who have who have passed that kind of three month point and are into sort of three four or five months. Um, so, so we're getting some really really great data um, up from around like I think it's like four thousand people or something. There's probably yeah. feeding back to us. So I gotta ask, like, how often do you wear it? The uh, yeah, my, my my own journey was is quite interesting. I, I I documented my own journey. I've lost about eighteen pounds, eighteen nineteen pounds, um, and and at the same time I gained about maybe four or five pounds of, of muscle. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I actually would have worn it like every day, like religiously at night. Uh, what was the time span for for that kind of outcome? Um, a, a year, pretty okay. much exactly a year. I had full body scans um, because Dexa I, I thought, uh, pod scans. Okay. Uh, so I had in the UK, it's a little more difficult to get a, a DEXA scan because of the radiation. Uh, so so I went to a local university, got bod pod scans. Which uh, is that was what, water displacement? Say that again, sorry. Is that water displacement? Uh, it, it's the same principle, but it's in an airtight container. So they actually just displace the air. Okay. Um, but it's, it's basically the same principle. Yeah. Um, cool. And yes, yeah, so, so I had really positive effects. I'm actually now using our second device, uh, which is in the mental health space. Um, and it, it's like, I mean, my, my, my mental health is, is fine, thankfully, but it, it's just because I, I, I really love the idea of try. You know, I, I wouldn't ever tell someone you should try this without me having tried it for yeah. a long time. Um, so qu- qu- quite excited about that as well. Very cool. I mean, one of the interesting things from our community is that we're, you know, a lot of our our listeners are interested in intermittent fasting, ketogenic diets. Mm. And it sounds like there's an interesting crossover with some of the endpoints that you're seeing with reduced insulin. Obviously, one of the reasons, I mean, multitude of reasons why wouldn't would intermittent fast eat keto, but is to to treat, you know, prevent type 2 diabetes and metabolic syndrome. So I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm personally interested in how fasting, exogenous ketones, ketone esters, something that, you know, we're bringing to market, how these things all stack together. Because I think if you, I'm actually just curious to run experiments, you know, if you just wear your uh, Modius and you wear a continuous glucose monitor, you know, do you just see, you know, your blood sugar drop or, you know, do finger pricks to test ketone levels? Do you see ketone levels potentially go up as your as your glucose drops i mean i think there's a multitude of the things to look at as a, yeah. it means like a cool intervention well uh, anecdotally now this is just some feedback uh, that we've had from our community members um but what, you know, we've had a significant amount of people coming back to us type 2 diabetics saying that they've been able to adjust their medication in, in a pretty short period of time um, particularly those who take insulin, actually, they've been able to decrease the dose. Uh, and then we, we have other reports just of you know more stable, a, a lower but more stable baseline. So even if they have, say, a bad weekend, you know, their blood sugars aren't like going crazy like they used to. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think all this fits in very, very well. And, and again, I think it's because it's that top level, that autonomic control. So if you it, rather than adjusting something sort of you know, lower down the, the chain of command, if you actually go up and, and influence the hypothalamus or the top level, um, then I say that's where you, you, you see the real benefit. Very cool. And I know that we have a special offer for our listeners, right? So, uh, yeah, well, I, I, so, I mean, if anyone's interested in the Modius device, they can, they can buy directly from modiushealth.com. 
Uh, but we're offering your, your listeners a promo code, and I'm, I'm not sure do you put it up on the screen or... or yeah, we'll um, put it up on the or, screen, but it'll be HVMN Human uh, as a promo code for a 10% off on the order. Yeah, yeah. so basically, yeah, put, put in a promo code, you get your 10% off. Um, we actually include, the whole pack comes with three, three months worth of pads and little sort of wipes just to take some of the oil off the skin. Uh, and also, although we're technically sort of UK-based company, we do free shipping to the US, uh, and it's pretty quick turnaround. It's usually so. Some, I think I say some guys have had it next day delivered to the US, but it's usually like sort of two, two to three days, so it's it's pretty quick. Uh, but definitely put the promo code in uh, and get the discount. Awesome. Yeah. No. I mean, it sounds like uh, uh, a very cool intervention. That's you know. That's that's thoughtful and rigorous behind the science and evidence behind it. So appreciate the good work here, and I think it's it's a fascinating it's fascinating just broad space. I think just from you know this conversation here and in my conversations with other you know operators, scientists, researchers, there just seems to be I don't know if it's like an ideological discussion or debate or, or a cultural debate, but there's just always a skepticism or this. I don't believe you type critique, but which I think is fine. I think we should be all be skeptical coming in. But if we're doing the actual studies, producing actual data, doing the actual science and it's safe and we have good signal that this is actually efficacious, it's a worthwhile goal to pursue. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and actually one, one thing that whenever I started, I probably didn't realize just how important this was, but, but the, the, the risk profile in that has to be um, you know, num- number one, I'd say for, for us. So, so we would highlight again that this is a really, really safe. It's a really, really low risk device. Um, and the reason that we say that is actually, uh, we just know with weight loss, it's it's such a difficult sort of multi-factored uh, issue uh, that we know for a fact, and we're really open and honest about this, that, it, that the device will not help everyone. Um, so we don't want people going in thinking that they're doing something risky and that you know it, it might not work out. I mean, that is absolutely not the case. It's very, very low risk. And thankfully, we're actually seeing about 80% of people uh, who are regularly using the device actually achieve a significant amount of weight loss. So, so that is fantastic. And as I said at the start, if people feel that you know it just hasn't helped, um, it's, it's not that we're, we're wanting to try and keep their money. We, we will happily give them their, their money back, even if it has helped, if they've lost loads of weight and they still want the device back. It is not about that. It is about us you know, really trying to make a big impact here. And for those people that it works, causing a you know a significant amount of weight loss and ultimately just trying to make this problem easier for a lot of people. Well said. Thanks for taking the time and sharing about your work and in, in, in research and in, in talking about Modius. Appreciate the time. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. That was a fun conversation with Jason. Uh, exciting research and work that they're doing over at Modius Health. So as and always, we always try to hook up our listeners, uh, and we hooked up an awesome promotion. So modiushealth.com, check out their headsets, and if that's something that's interesting to you, get 10% off if you use the promo code HUMAN, H-V-M-N. So promo code H-V-M-N, 10% off at modiushealth.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, it's something that I'll be personally probably experimenting with it. I think it sounds intriguing to me personally. Um, and then as always, appreciate the feedback and uh, really just the, the loyalty and, and, and support that you guys show us. Uh, we've opened up an email hotline for all you podcast listeners, podcast at hvmn.com. Both Zill, our producer, and I read every single one of those emails. And we had a nice flood of responses uh over the last week 
So uh, to, to give you a reminder on what that is, uh, just give us a review on iTunes, take a screenshot of it, and send it over to podcast.human.com, and we'll hook you up with a free Sprint mini bottle. Uh, Sprint is our acute nootropic that helps you get into flow state. Um, but, but, but regardless of you know the review or, 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 or the free Sprint mini, I just, and Zill just enjoys your feedbacks and comments. It helps us improve the program, get the right content, and uh, it keeps us motivated to do a good job on this program. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, and talk to you soon.